Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome back into the Nick Ba podcast. I sincerely apologize for the long delay uh, in between pods. It's a crazy time of year for me, obviously, with uh, college basketball in full swing. I was on the road. I called five games in eight days. Uh, then I flew home, had my daughter's birthday. Uh, then my two-year-old, the very next day, had surgery to get, surgery to get his adenoids removed. Uh, then, then I... Then, Northwestern was dealing with some COVID issues, so a game got rescheduled at Nebraska on Wednesday that I called on FS2 with Kevin Kugler. So there's just been a lot of different things that have kept me away from my podcast studio. It's been a crazy stretch, uh, but I'm back now. I got a pod cooked up for you guys. Uh, I appreciate the patience. You know I appreciate the support. So let's get into it. Here we go. So Matt Rule... He went on bussing with the boys, Will Compton, Taylor Lewin, uh, two, two uh, podcasters for Barstool Sports. Obviously, everybody knows Will Compton, former Husker. Uh, but Matt Rule went on the bus and had a good hour-long chat with, with those two guys. And, you know, it was a good listener to urge everybody to go check it out. It, it was really kind of the first extended, unbuttoned dialogue we've gotten from Matt Rule, right? Like, so Matt Rule, he, you know, he had his introductory press conference, and then he had his signing day press conference, and that's kind of been it in terms of kind of long form Q and A's, and especially the beauty of a podcast. That's why I love podcasts. Is it's a it's a more relaxed version than a press conference. Like when you're in front of a podium and you know there's cameras there and there and the media's there. Like the, it's going to make people be, you know, go into more canned answers, cliches, all those sorts of things. A pod lends itself to to more relaxed, uh, real conversations. So the, I was really excited about this, and it and it delivered. Um, and even though the you know the even though the pod was good and entertaining, it, we didn't necessarily hear anything groundbreaking. But there was one thing that that I found really, really interesting. There was a couple of things, but there was one thing in particular that I found interesting. He was getting into Matt Rule was talking about his timeline for success at Nebraska and and whether. He was asked whether he saw this as a slow burn situation similar to how things were at Temple and at Baylor. And here was Matt Rule's answer on whether or not he wanted this to be a slow burn. It was going to be similar to Temple and Baylor and just kind of what his expectations were for year one at Nebraska. Here's Matt Rule on Bustin' with the Boys. I don't want this to be a slow burn. I want to start off because I feel like that year for them was last year. And the thing that I respect about the team, because this opportunity was around for a while and I was just watching games. And what I respected about Nebraska was the players, they had just lost their coach. They had some tough losses along the way, but they just kept battling. And like to me, that's half the battle. Like if you can get a group of people to commit to playing hard and fighting, even when you're kind of out of bowl contention. Like, if you go to Iowa the last game of the year and Iowa has to win that to go to the Big Ten West and you beat them, there's something in that locker room. 
Okay. Lots of interesting things in that answer. It's a good answer, by the way. But lots of interesting things. Because to me, it's the first pseudo window into how he's viewing this situation initially at Nebraska for year number one. Because for a while now, all we could do when thinking about Matt Rule as a coaching candidate and then Matt Rule as officially the head coach, all we could do was judge his previous track records at Baylor and Temple and wonder if that was going to be the same blueprint, the same path that would unfold here at Nebraska. Okay, you know, is is the plan to tear it all down and Nebraska's going to win like one or two or three games in year number one, like he did at Baylor, like he did at Temple? Is that the plan? I think for most people, me included, we're always a little nah on that. We're always a little nah on, all right, is this going to be a full, like, you're going to win two games in year one? Ugh. So for Matt Rule to say, no, I don't want this to be a slow burn is noteworthy. And you know what is what is really funny about this is when I sat down and I was I was thinking about, you know, pod topics and all that stuff, I had I one of the topics I had was okay, you know, I asked I sometimes like to almost like interview myself, I'm schizophrenic apparently. I I go, okay, what Nick, what are your expectations for year one? Matt Rule, Nuco, like what what really are you expecting for year one? And I started kind of typing up a take, and then I saw rules going to be on busting with the boys. I was like, well, let me wait and listen to that and see if there's anything in there. And lo and behold, he he actually kind of addresses it. So it's kind of really coincidental that Matt Rule actually spoke on this to a certain extent on a podcast. Because I've really been trying to critically think about, okay, what are my expectations for year one? Even at, I told you I was at my, my daughter's birthday party, a good buddy of mine, our daughters are the same age. We were talking about this at my, my daughter's birthday party. And here was how I, I was kind of writing it out and talking about it. How I veer year, year one expectations, Matt Rule, Nebraska. To put it in broad terms, I will be disappointed if Nebraska doesn't go to a bowl game next year. I'll be disappointed. And for the record, I was always disappointed that Scott Frost didn't go to a bowl. The only year I was kind of understanding was year one. Honeymoon phase was still in full full, full force. But, it, you know, I just felt like given what Frost took over, the Akron game being canceled, losing Martinez then for the, you know, he didn't play in the Troy game, the crazy nature of, of losing some of those close games. Now, we didn't realize that was going to be a harbinger of things to come for close games and all that, but in the moment. I was like, okay, you know what? Not going to go crazy. Didn't go to go to a bowl game. Not a huge deal. But every other year, I was wildly disappointed that Scott Frost didn't go to a bowl game. So to me, the same school of thought applies with rule in year number one. I expect a bowl game. Now, to be clear, I'm not, by saying that, I'm not expecting eight, nine, ten wins and a division title or anything like that. But quite simply put, I am at the point where I think at Nebraska, making a bowl game shouldn't be that hard of a bar to reach. I get it. I know. Nebraska hasn't done it in six years. I get it. But come on, man. You you and I both know that it was there for the taking 
over the last five years to win six games. But it was just always a, a it was just bizarre incompetence at times from the coaches and the players that led to coming up short each year under Scott Frost. And even the, you know, 2017, it was like, you know, Riley was a dead man walk-in, that team quit. But you and I both know it was there for the taking. And, you know, to me, there's, there is a difference in watching someone or something try to achieve, watching someone or some team, I should say, try to achieve something and they just don't have it in them. Versus watching someone or some team clearly have it in them, but they can't get out of their own way. To me, Nebraska's bowl drought has clearly been the latter. Nebraska just needs to get the out of their own way. And a part of getting out of your own way is I, I'm viewing this like, okay, I think a veteran experienced coach who is immersed in the details leading the program will help Nebraska get out of their way and help them big time in that regard. I mean, let's just let's just focus on the last two years for Nebraska. Sure, Nebraska was wildly flawed. We all know that. But you're telling me you watched the last two years, you've watched those football teams, and thought this team just doesn't have it in them to get to six wins. This team, they're just not even close. They're they are so far away. They aren't even close to a bowl game. They're not even close to the Frosted Flakes Bowl. You think they're good enough to take on Marshall? In the Lucky Charms Bowl, yeah, I do. I do. I think they're they are. You think this team can get six? Yes, they could. They could have won six games. You you're telling me you watched that and thought this team isn't even close? Really, really? Again, wildly flawed, stunk up the joint at times. But still, I mean, just go. You look at it. Northwestern and Dublin took an all-time dumb decision from Frost with the onside kick to lose that game. Georgia Southern, you know, I can concede that one, but come on, Nebraska shouldn't be losing to Georgia Southern at home if they have any sort of competence as a as as coaches and in that locker room. Illinois and Minnesota, I honestly think if Casey Thompson doesn't get hurt, they have a chance to win at least one of those games. Wisconsin lost 15 to 14. Nebraska was up 14 to 3 heading into the fourth quarter. Two years ago, the greatest three and nine team of all time. I mean, good lord, where do you even begin? At Michigan State, just punt it in the right direction. You win. How about that? At Illinois, don't miss extra points and get safeties on punt return team and have your quarterback fumble for a touchdown at the end of the half. Iowa game, up 21 to 6 at the end of the third quarter. Lost. Hell, even Michigan. And at Wisconsin, Nebraska had the ball late, driving in the fourth quarter to win. Lost both of them. The Dick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And I want to talk to you guys about energy efficiency. And if you go into Pella's website right now, you look at it. And how about this? One, two, three, four, five different types of windows or doors by Pella. Won the Energy Star 2020 Most Energy Efficient Award. That's big time stuff right there. And they achieved that in a couple of waves. They got insulated glass, which slows the heat transfer, keeping your home at a more comfortable temperature. They got types of low-E glass, which is a glass coating that has been optimized for your climate. They got triple-pane glass, which you can upgrade to for increased insulating airspace. And within all of that, one of the keys is proper installation, which is key for window and doors to perform at their best. And you know the Pella experts are excellent 
at that. Bottom line, energy efficiency matters in making your home more comfortable, and Pella windows and doors are at the top of the line when it comes to energy efficiency. Check them out online, PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com. Lost both of them. Martinez fumbled when forward progress should have been blown, and then there was a pat, a blatant pass interference, no call, late in, in the red zone at Wisconsin. I could go on and on, but you get the point. We could we could go through the entire Frost era and get to six wins each season pretty easily. So again, you may be going, Nick, we know this. We've been over this. Why are you bringing this up? I bring this up to drive home the expectations for year one. I do think Nebraska's six-year bull drought is a little misleading. Because on the surface, if you don't know anything about anything and you just, say, you just hear someone say, hey, power conference team hasn't gone to a bowl game in six years, you probably think, oh, man. Ugh, boy, are they terrible? Like, how bad are they? They must just be getting blasted, blown out, embarrassed, crushed on a weekly basis. Not even close to winning, right? That's how bad they are? No. 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 In fact, most games, you you walk away and go, how the fuck did they lose that game? No. Like, it, oh, they, must just, they, might, they must just be getting crushed. No, not, it couldn't be further from the truth. To me, that's where there is a discernible difference between how the 2017 team performed, Riley's last year, and how the last two years have gone with, with the Frost era. There is a difference between those two. Oh, and by the way, to Rule's point, with a fired head coach, just like how Riley's situation was in 2017, where it was clear he was a dead man walking, that team quit. This team still was fighting and went to Iowa and beat Iowa when Iowa had everything in the world to play for that day in Iowa City. So I do completely agree with Matt Rule that you go do that, that shows something in that group and in that locker room. So for me, given what, what I've seen from this program, for five to six years, in particular the last three or four, it's taken extraordinary incompetence and extraordinary bad luck to not win six games. So with a decent roster, not a great roster, a decent roster, a manageable schedule, I think getting to six wins is completely Reasonable. It is a completely reasonable expectation level. Again, not expecting 9, 10 wins in a division title and all that. But six wins, get to a bowl game. I think that's reasonable for the University of freaking Nebraska's football program. I think that's reasonable. The other thing that Rule said that was, was interesting in that answer that, that I just played for you is, you know, in not wanting this to be a slow burn at Nebraska was that in the spirit of that slow burn, he said that he felt like that was last year for this team, right? He, did you hear him say in, in there? He said, I feel like that was last year for this team, which is so interesting I, I want to unpack this because it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting way to look at it because to me that that slow burn can be viewed through two different lenses. 
You have the team lens, that, that specific locker room, the one that Rule's talking about. And then you have the fan base's lens. Those are two different lenses. Because I found that very interesting to look at those two lenses at which to view it. I think he he's right in the way he framed it, and he said, I think that year for them was last year. Talking about the slow burn. Them being the team, that locker room, that group. I can totally see his point in you know a four-win season last year, losing eight games, that that was the slow burn for this group, that team, that locker room. Completely understand that. But the other lens is the fan base's lens. And this isn't Matt Rule's fault, or even Matt Rule's cross to bear, I guess. But maybe it is, but I'll let him off the hook for the moment here. This isn't necessarily Matt Rule's fault or Matt Rule's cross to bear, but the fans' lens is different, in my opinion. The fans' slow burn wasn't last year. It's really the last 20 years. No conference title since 1999, five different head coaches, multiple blowouts on big stages, heartbreaking, crushing losses in conference championship games, and now six straight years without a bowl. That's a slow burn. I've talked about this, but I am fascinated by where this fan base's patience level is actually at. Not the right thing to say, the PC thing to say, the GBR Kool-Aid thing to say. Keep it emoji 100 with yourself. Keep it real with yourself for a second. Where's your patience level at? Be honest with yourself. What's that voice saying in your head right now? Don't be, be real. I've said this, I think given the last 20 years and the long runway, this is crucial here, and the long runway, a.k.a. willingness for a slow burn with Frost, I think all of that, I think this fan's patience level is almost on E. If this is a car, it, it that light is on the dash. It might not be completely empty, but that light is on the dash. Patience level is low. Refuel soon, right? That's what I think. So while Rule's job is to think about the team and uh, uh, you know coaching this team and think about this group, and he's got to do what he's got to do for the program as he see fit. He see fit for to you know to a certain degree. I do think there is a duality to this whole notion of who is willing to endure a slow burn with this thing right now. This fan boy, this fan base for 20 years, 20 plus years here, and even with Frost, you know, the long runway for this thing it's it's just it there I do think there is a, a duality, the whole notion of who is willing to endure slow burn with this whole thing right now. Yes, I agree. That was maybe last year for this group, this team, this locker room. But if you zoom out this fan base, they've been around for more than just last year. You know, Anthony and Ashland, Barry and Beatrice, Craig and Kozad, Frank and Fairberry, <laughs> Larry and Lincoln, Omar and Omaha. 
Like the, a lot of those, those boys been around for long, longer than just last year. So rules in an interesting spot, and this program's an interesting spot. This moment is so fascinating because of what we're talking about here, right? Rule, rule, you know, rule is it's just an interesting spot for him because he has the team, and the reality is the roster, the locker room, the team, they are the real gatekeepers to this timeline of this thing, right? You you can want something all you all and and wish it to be true, but. You st- there's still a, a, a reality that takes place on Saturdays in the fall, and this group's either got it or they don't. Now, again, I think they got it to at least go to a bowl game, but I suppose we can engage in that conversation. But the fans, which you know, which is the they're the lifeblood of this program. I think the fans aren't trying to endure a continuation of a 20 year slow burn. Terrible analogy alert. Terrible analogy alert. Because I was trying to think of an analogy with this. Because sometimes I do think analogies are fun at times. Here, here's my analogy for this situation. Okay. I remember, and I was thinking about this because I said I was at my daughter's birthday. My daughter turned seven. Maybe was seven years old. So I was thinking about, you know, when you're, you're, you know, uh, your kid's birthday, you, you, you reminisce on, on when they were born, right? And I was thinking about when my daughter was born. And my wife was in labor from, she, we went to the hospital about 11 a.m. and Mabel wasn't born until 3.16 a.m. So from 11 a.m. to 3 a.m., my wife was in labor. So about 16 hours of labor. Which, for anybody that understands the hospital world, which means that in the middle of that process, which was a grueling process at times, we had a nurse shift. Right? The day nurses... We're off at about 7 o'clock. Here comes the night nurses. Had a nurse shift at 7 p.m. And, you know, the new nurse shows up. She just got there. She got her sleep. She's got her coffee. She had her, she, she's got some food in her. She was fresh, and her patience level was high, and, her, and, and she was ready to attack her day. Her patience level's high, and... Her full understanding of the journey that my wife had been on just wasn't fully there. Again, she just got there. This nurse, she didn't see the epidural, the back contractions that were brutal, the process of waiting to get dilated, the positioning of how my wife would lay on the bed and it would cause the baby's heart rate to drop and we were concerned about what was going on, on and on and on and on. She just got here. She's new. She doesn't know anything about that. She can read it on a chart. But she didn't experience it. So, you know, the, the new nurse gets there and she's preaching, you know, patience and all that stuff. When my wife is exhausted, she's tired, she's in pain. The old nurse understood that because she had been there the whole time. She saw the back contractions. She saw the epidural. The new nurse didn't know. She just got there. Now, again, real quick, for the record in this story, the new nurse was great, but the spirit of the point I'm making, I hope, makes sense. When you haven't been on the journey and you just show up, it's hard to fully know what those that have been on the journey have endured. The Nick Bob Podcast is powered by Runza and the cold winter months. It's officially here. And as a warm weather lover myself, the cold can kind of bum me out. But the one thing that always puts a huge smile on my face when it gets cold 
Temperature Tuesdays at Runza. Yes, it's that time of the year. Temperature Tuesdays are back at Runza, where every Tuesday in January and February, the 6 a.m. temperature at the coldest Runza location is the price you'll pay for an original Runza sandwich when you buy a medium fry and medium drink. Think about it. An original Runza sandwich might be 10 cents, a dime, might be a nickel, might be a quarter. Heck, might even be one penny. Just one penny. So make sure you take advantage of this incredible deal every single Tuesday at Runza where the temp at 6 a.m. in Runzaland is the price you pay for an original Runza sandwich and you buy a medium fry and a medium drink. It's back, baby. Temperature Tuesdays. Runza makes it all better. Right? You, you may show up being new and a blank slate, ready to start fresh, but it's not always like that for those that were already there. Or maybe another maybe there's like a ticket agent at an airport. Maybe there's like Southwest Airlines a, a, a month or so ago when they were having issues. They show up at a gate after a flight. You know, it, it they they boarded the plane and went out to the runway. It had a mechanical issue. It sat on the runway for two hours. Then it had to go back. It had a deplane, and then they had to change the crew. And then it got delayed. Then that flight got canceled. And now all of a sudden, it's been 22 hours, and now a new agent shows up at gate B15, whatever. And this new agent shows up, not understanding that these passengers have all that they've endured sitting at this gate. And the new agent shows up and saying, hey, so our inbound, you know, our, our, our inbound flight just took off from L.A., so it's going to land in about four hours. We're going to have a crew change coming in after that, so it's going to be about five more hours. Five more hours to that gate agent who just got there isn't a big deal. But to passengers who have been waiting for 24 hours, five more hours is a lot. Or to the nurse who shows up and says to my wife, okay, so you still have a few more centimeters to go until you're dilated and can push. It's going to be at least another hour or two, so sit tight. To the nurse who just got there, another hour or two is no big deal. But to my wife, who's already been in labor for 12 hours and in pain, another two hours is a lot. It's a lot. Which... Brings me to Rule in this situation. For Matt Rule, who just got to Nebraska. One season, one year of winning three games. You know, what? hey, it's good. next year going to be three games. That isn't a big deal. It's not a huge storm to endure for him. But to a fan base, to a fan base who's dealt with no conference titles since 1999. They were in the title game in 2001. They've had five different head coaches, blowouts in big games, gut punch losses in conference title games, 2009, 2010, 2012, six straight years of no bowl games, and your homegrown hero quarterback who won a national title came home, it felt like it was a fairy tale ending, and it was a miserable failure. To that fan base, one more season of no bowl game, one more season of only winning three, four games is a lot to deal with. So I see both lenses of this thing. I understand both lenses of this thing. The team lens and the fan lens. And I can't tell you how I'm so glad that Matt Rule 
is taking at least last year into account in how he's setting the expectation level. Yeah, bringing up the fact that he doesn't want a slow burn and that he felt like that was last year for, for them in that locker room. But what Matt Rule needs to understand, even though it's not fully his job to think like this, is the last 20 years is the slow burn for this fan base. Because Matt Rule brings, you know, how the fact that this team, you know, hey man, if this team can endure a coaching change and continue to fight and play hard and lose some tough games and then while they're not play they're playing for nothing and they go to Iowa and Iowa has a division title on the line and and you beat Iowa on the road it really says something about that locker room it says something there that there's in something in that locker room I totally agree I completely agree I can also say with six straight years of no bowl game and no conference titles since 1999, the fact that this fan base still sells Memorial Stadium out and still supports and still cares and still shows up wearing red shows something that is in this fan base too. Again, I know it's not Matt Rule's job to think about the fans like I am. But long before I ever had a podcast or a radio show, I was a Husker fan. Sitting in the West Balcony. Watching the teams in the 90s kick ass. Watching stunts to crouch. Long before I ever had a podcast, I was a fan. So again, I know it's not Matt Rule's job to think about the fans like that. And think about the fans like I am. But it doesn't make it not real. can't make decisions based on what the fans want all the time, but you have to, it's a real thing. It's a real thing. I was just so glad that Matt Rule said that, that he doesn't want a slow burn, that he doesn't want this to be a slow burn. I don't think the fans want any part of that. I really don't. I really don't. I don't think the fans want any part of that. And the truth is, with the transfer portal as well, you can flip things pretty quick. You know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25 years ago, when you could only build through high school recruits, then there sometimes was a non-negotiable three- to four-year waiting period for programs to get back on track. Not the case anymore. Now, don't get me wrong. I still think high school recruits and building that foundation with them helps long-term sustainability. Case in point, I mean, look at Michigan State and Mel Tucker. Year two, that so year one for him was COVID, so it was just a bizarre year. But year two after COVID, transfer portal, load up. They go 11-2, and two, won the Peach Bowl, finished in the top 10. Year three, no bowl game. So, yeah, sometimes that portal can be boom or bust a little bit. But, there, but the boom is available to you. When... Let's be honest, you go get little Billy and Timmy and they just graduated high school, you ain't coming in the Big Ten and win shit. Let's be honest. So it's tough. And that's where Matt Rule is going to have to find that balance of transfer portal versus high school and developmental program versus bringing ready-made players in the portal. He's going to have to balance all that. But all I know is this fan base is tired. 
Certainly that locker room is too. Last year had to have been brutal on those guys. You start the year early in Dublin. You lose that game. You lose to Georgia Southern. Your head coach gets fired. You get blasted by Oklahoma. Chenander gets fired. You lose eight games total. You don't go to a bowl game. Brutal. That had to have been really tough on those guys. So I know they are hungry too. But this fan base is starving. And I know where where my head was at with how I saw year one and my expectation level for for rule. So I can't tell you how glad I was to hear him say the words of, I don't want this to be a slow burn. Because guess what? I don't think the fans want it to be either. The fans, they've been burning for two decades. So amen, Matt Rule. I don't want it to be a slow burn either. A Heard at Sports Network production.